Welcome to Behind the Line, where we pull back the curtain on the challenges facing first responders and frontline workers. The work you do is unique, and so are the stresses that go with it. Join me as we tackle key issues to reduce risks for burnout, and as we work to support you in doing the job you love without sacrificing being the kind of person you want to be. Hey there, and welcome back to Behind the Line. I'm your host, Lindsay Foss. If you're new to Behind the Line, what you should know about me is that I'm a clinical counselor specializing in trauma therapy. And after over a decade working with first responders and frontline workers around issues like burnout, compassion fatigue, PTSD, and related OSIs, I've become a passionate wellness advocate and educator for those who sacrifice so much for our communities out on the front lines. Behind the Line is a place for us to talk about the real-life behind-the-scenes challenges facing you on the front lines. I created this podcast with the hope of bringing easy access to skills for wellness, allowing you to find greater sustainability both on the job and off. We are into the final weeks of our Back to Basics for Brain Health series, as well as the last few weeks of this year. I'm not going to lie, while 2020 was a really hard year for a lot of people, 2021 was the much harder year for our family, and I am not sad to see it go. Managing through this year has involved a lot of grounding, and as we finish off this series on Brain Basics, grounding is a piece I want to give you because it has tremendous benefits for your brain and vicariously for you. Okay, so what exactly is Grounding. Grounding is a term we use to describe various activities that help people to feel anchored to present time, space, and capacity. So often in the busyness of our lives, we get caught up in thinking about the past or focused on the future. Thinking of that next place I need to be or reflecting on that time way back when. When we're spending time in past or future, ruminating about things that have happened or anxious about the next thing to happen, we activate our stress center. Our stress center's job is to help us manage significant stressors. But when we're talking about past or future, there's not a lot we can do about those stressors right now. So our body just sits in the distress of having our stress center running without anywhere to put that energy that meaningfully changes or supports the past or future scenario we're playing out in our heads. The role of grounding is to help us anchor back to the present moment in our present space, in our present day selves. Being grounded means feeling tethered to who I am and what is happening for me right in this moment. It's about being rooted to right now with access to the resources I currently possess. When we engage in grounding activities, we help to quiet the stress center of our brain and we help to resource it. If you think about your stress center, it's a relatively primitive part of your brain. It interprets information and then ignites reactions to try to mitigate risk and support survival. It can tend toward overreacting to situations or in some cases of persistent stress exposure can develop a degree of numbness or dissociation that causes us to underreact to situations. 
This part of the brain benefits from growing stronger connections to the part of our brain that's capable of solid problem solving, assessing, and intervening with intention. And that part of the brain is the prefrontal cortex. Now, for those who don't love brain science terminology, don't worry, I'm not gonna go into professor mode here. I just need you to know that the part of your brain that manages stress struggles to be connected to the part of your brain that does its best thinking. And when we engage in grounding, we're supporting the stress center of your brain to grow stronger and stronger connections to the part of your brain that does your best thinking and responding. The benefits of strengthening these connections between your stress center brain and your awesome thinking brain is that when stress comes, you'll have enhanced capacities to navigate the stress from a place that utilizes some of your best thinking resources. If we don't work to build these connections, we'll be more likely to feel overwhelmed or shut down by stress, unable to find a way to navigate it, or being reactive to stressors rather than thoughtfully responsive to them. So for the next few weeks, we're gonna talk about some quick tips for grounding, some of the activities you can try out and experiment with to help activate your prefrontal cortex and settle your stress brain. For today, we're gonna to focus on physical grounding activities. And in coming weeks, we'll talk about mental grounding and emotional grounding. Blending activities related to all three together will give you the most bang for your buck in supporting your brain. So it can give back to you in big ways. So do be sure to listen to all three episodes and pick out some action items that you're gonna try out sometime during your week. Physical grounding includes activities that help bring your body into present time and space. This can look like a lot of things, and I'm gonna share some of my favorites, as well as some that people have shared with me over the years that they've found helpful. Let me be really clear that grounding activities shouldn't be complicated. They should be able to fit into a relatively brief period of time and feel relatively easily accessible. The things I'm gonna share may seem really simple, perhaps stupidly simple, but I swear that when you do these regularly and with some degree of intention, they add up to be really valuable tools to help anchor you when stress feels heavier and to, again, strengthen connections between your stress center and the part of your brain that helps you move through stress in ways that are likely more effective. I guess what I'm trying to say is don't be fooled by the appearance of simplicity to think that these activities are not really doing anything. Neurophysiologically, they have the potential to do quite a lot, even if it doesn't seem like it on the face of things. Let's also clarify that this is not a one and done. Grounding and strengthening connections in your brain comes with practice. Repetition is a valuable part of how our brain learns and establishes strong connections. So choose pieces that you can commit to and repeating. All right, Lindsay's list of physical grounding activities. I'll also make this available in the show notes as a quick reference if you need it. Number one, interact with hot and cold. Have you ever gone into cold water? I recently went on a trip with two of my longest friends and we went to the Nordic spa in Kananaskis. We went from hot tubs to saunas to steam rooms and intermittently were told to go through the cold pool. I'll admit the cold pool was not my favorite, but I'll also admit that the centering experience of being submerged in cold water for a few minutes 
really forces your brain into that moment. It can't think about much else. And it did make me so much more aware of the wonderful feeling of warm that I likely would have taken for granted after running out of the cold pool shivering. Now, I'm not saying you need to take freezing showers to get similar benefits. I'm just saying that using temperatures to help our bodies anchor can be really useful. One version of this is holding an ice cube or putting an ice pack on your neck or submerging your hands in cold water. And then if you want, try alternating this with a heating pad or submerging in warm water. The sensory feedback of more extreme hot and cold is something our brain will tend to focus in on and prioritize over other kinds of fleeting thoughts. So using temperature can be a great way to help our body connect to present and anchor here. Number two, actually get grounded. A few weeks ago, Dr. Catherine Multari, the naturopathic doctor who joined us for our episode on nutrition and supplementation and the brain, shared a suggestion to go out into your yard, take your shoes off, and spend time with your feet in the grass. Plant yourself. Root yourself. There's something that ties us to the earth, and connecting to nature is a part of who we are. Another version of this is putting bare feet into sand or digging with bare hands in the garden. It's the tactile connection between us and the earth. And it's been shown in research time and time again to have significant benefits for our brain. Number three, use sensory objects. Have you seen those fidget spinners or those silicone poppers that they make for kids to manage ADHD or tendencies for stimulation? Having some kind of object that encourages tactile connection can be super helpful for adults too, and can be extra useful in stressful situations. For example, I often suggest that clients going to court choose a tactile object to take with them, a particularly smooth rock that feels soft and calming to the touch that they can keep in their pocket, or a pendant necklace or bracelet that has some bumps on it that they can touch, or similar kinds of things. This tactile feedback when practiced can help remind our brain to ground, calm, and regulate even in more stressful situations. I have some stress balls I love the feel of and a necklace that has some pointy parts on it that are helpful to ground me and a rock I carry in my purse at all times that's a bit bumpy. There are objects that I can draw attention to that give my brain sensory feedback and move it into interpreting that sensory information. When I use them regularly in calm moments, they build a connection to being calm. So when I use them in more stressful moments, they prompt my brain to associate with calm and bridge me back to the part of my brain that has access to calm, logical, capable, and so on. Number four, breathe. I know it sounds stupid because obviously we're breathing all the time and that should be a no-brainer. But most of the time, particularly in higher stress, we are breathing wrong. Most people, whether they know it or not, breathe relatively shallow a significant amount of the time and hold their breath more often than they realize. This creates all kinds of tricky problems, including less oxygen to the body and brain, which slows down our processing, healing, and various other aspects of our wellness. Also, one of the physiological reactions connected to your stress center is to make your breathing more shallow. 
So it can become a bit of a catch-22 where shallow breathing activates your stress center, which says to restrict your breathing further to conserve energy, which then further impacts your general capacity, and so on and so on. Taking deep intentional breaths and building breathing activities into your daily life can make a big difference to your general health and well-being, benefit your brain, and support more effective stress management. We've talked on the show before about box breathing as an easy example of a breathing technique. You can try it out. As a reminder in box breathing, you breathe in for a count of four, hold for a count of four, exhale for a count of four, and hold for a count of four. Do this for a few rounds and then resume breathing normally. Number five, savor something. Choose a flavor or a scent and savor it. Draw awareness to it and allow yourself to really soak it in. Find a mint you love, a gum you love, a small candy you really enjoy, and focus on the flavor. Alternatively, find scents that make you feel calm or give you a big breath, and find ways to access that scent wherever you can. I do this in all kinds of ways. I keep mints I like at my office, lip chaps I love the smell of in my purse, a roll-on essential oil that helps me breathe more deeply and feel more energized, and other essential oils that I diffuse at my home, at my office, and in my car that make me feel calm and connected to good things. Like coconut smells make me think of sipping pina coladas on a beach. Be in the moment with the smell or the flavor and really focus on enjoying it. What I love about this is that these pieces tend to be able to fit into small moments and be portable. So they can be easily accessible in a lot of workplaces or on quick breaks. Like who can say no to lip chap? Number six, move your body. I think we've heard a lot between our episodes on fitness and our episode on mind-body connection about how movement is good for us. When we're moving our bodies, we need to have some amount of connection to where we are and how we're moving so we don't bump into someone or knock something over. Being in movement means having some amount of present moment conscious awareness. You can also use moments of movement to build your grounding skills. For example, while you're out for a walk, really focus on your breathing. Try breathing in for three steps, hold for one, breathe out for five steps, hold for one. Play around with the count, but use this as a time to focus. Another alternative is being out for a walk and really paying attention to what you hear and see around you. Okay, there are six quick ways you can work on physical grounding. I'm so curious to know which ones stand out to you. Remember, as you go from here today, that practice is important. So don't get discouraged if you do one breathing exercise and your life doesn't suddenly feel amazingly different. The goal of grounding is not sweeping, revelatory change. It's incremental and additive, and the more you do it, the more it adds up to matter in bigger ways. Also, grounding is not one size fits all. So try on some of the suggestions from today. Keep what works for you and trash what doesn't. You get to decide what fits and how you choose to implement it into your life in a way that fits for you. My encouragement is to be creative and to work at bringing what you can into each area of your life. How can you use grounding at home when you're on your own? What about when your kids are hounding you and dinner is burning? What about at work or on your commute? 
the better you get at integrating these skills into the various little moments of your day-to-day life, the more significant you'll see the impacts showing up in how your brain manages stress and supports you being your best. As we wrap up today, I want to remind you to please reach out and connect if you have any questions or feedback. You know I love hearing from you and shaping this podcast to echo your needs and interests. Also, if you're working on applying the skills from these episodes and you want to send a shout out with what you're working on, I would love to hear about it. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Lindsay A. Foss, or you can email me at support at thrive-life.ca. For those who are keen to share about Behind the Line to others on the front lines, know that we can be found online on our website, on most major podcast platforms, as well as on YouTube. Click subscribe to get alerts for our latest episodes or subscribe to our email list to hear from me about all the exciting things that we have going on and coming up. You'll find all the details you need in the show notes, along with links to our Beating the Breaking Point Indicators Checklist and Triage Guide to help facilitate self-assessing burnout and related concerns. We make all of this available to you because the work you do is vitally important. But more than that, you are vitally important. And we want to make sure you have what you need to keep up the good work. So use it and share it. And be well, friends. Until next time, stay safe.